Hello, and welcome to the Vet Professionals Cat Cafe podcast series. My name is Sarah Caney, and I'm an RCVS specialist in feline medicine and founder of vetprofessionals.com. I've worked as a feline-only vet for more than 25 years now, and have been an RCVS specialist in feline medicine for nearly 20 years. I decided to set up a virtual cat cafe during the first COVID-19 lockdown in March 2020 as a way of keeping in touch with cat owners and sharing my tips on cat care. The following podcast was recorded as a Cat Cafe Zoom webinar on the 11th of March 2021 and you can watch the recording on the video tutorial page of vetprofessionals.com. Look under the helpful info menu for video tutorials and then click on the Cat Cafe tab. In this session I talk about some of the challenges associated with giving medicines to cats and how carers can help to make this as positive an experience as possible for their cats. Thanks for choosing to listen to this podcast. I hope you find it interesting and of help in your pet care. Hello. Thank you so much for choosing to join me this afternoon. It's lovely to see so many of you and hopefully I'll get to see more of your cats. It's lovely to see the odd cat if they choose to to join the session as well. And I think a reflection of um, the topic's importance uh, shown in the number of you that have turned up. So I really hope you're going to find it useful. I'm going to talk about some tips that I have for, uh, and that I can recommend for giving medicines to cats, but also a little bit about the context of medicating cats and other parts of the um, decision-making process, other things that I think are really relevant and helpful for carers to know about as well. So I hope you're going to find the session helpful. And then obviously at the end, we'll have some time for discussion and questions. If you do want to enter any questions in the chat box as I go through, then please feel free to do so. We all know that cats can be a challenge, and I guess that is part of the reason that uh, you're here today. And not every cat, quite understandably, is going to be very happy about receiving medication, in spite of it being always with the intention of, of aiding their health and supporting their health. But sadly, we can't sit down and reason with a cat we can't rationalize with a cat uh, we just have to do our best to succeed in supporting their health in whatever ways we can and the term that we use to describe um, our ability to medicate cats or one of the terms we use is the term compliance so i thought it would be useful just to include a definition of compliance at this point because it is a term that's we all hear banded around a lot and in people compliance is your adherence a patient's adherence to a recommended course of treatment but in the world of veterinary treatment of course we've got a slightly more complicated situation in that we have uh, the carer who is discussing things with the vet so that's yourselves if you're tuned in as an owner um, and the pet is receiving the treatment but they're not of course involved in the decision making process uh, indirectly they're not able to to voice their concerns or, or voice their opinions so compliance in our world is where pets receive a screening procedure or treatment that's believed to be um, best for them by a veterinary professional and so it does as I've already said, involve not only the clinician and the carer, but also the cat. 
and we have to find a way uh, where possible uh, if we detect an illness for example of managing that in such a way that is achievable for the carer not stressful for the cats and ultimately in the cat's best interests in terms of health outcomes. Another term that you will hear used in this context is also concordance. So I just threw in the definition of concordance here for you as well. Um, concordance is all about shared decision making. So it's not about a, a vet saying to you, right, this is what we're going to do. This is drug X and over to you. That's not the way it should work anyway. It should be that when a diagnosis is made, there is a discussion with you as a carer, you know your cat best, as to, well, how best can we approach this problem? And it may be that there is only a single treatment, um, and so there isn't a choice, but very often in vet medicine nowadays, there is a choice. There's a choice of formulation, so that might be a tablet versus a liquid. Uh, there might be choices in other respects as well, frequency of treatment administration. And so certainly it's my very strong view that part of the discussions should very much be about the team perspective. How can we work together as a team to produce the best possible outcome for your pet? So what do we know in general as well about how good compliance is in the vet world? Well, the answer to that question is we don't know very much at all. Some quite old data here from America, the American Animal Hospital Association, that looked at compliance to various uh, either treatment recommendations or, or treatments. You can see, uh, again, this is an American study, so heartworm testing isn't something that we generally have to worry about in the UK, um, but we do certainly worry about dental treatment. We use therapeutic diets, for example, cats with kidney disease and key parts of their management is where possible to feed a specific diet. And you can see that the, the approximate figures for compliance um, from this study from nearly 20 years ago, which indicates um, that certainly compliance is not perfect. We would definitely not expect it to be perfect, but it's better for some things than others. So it tends to be better for vaccines, uh, for example, uh, versus senior health screenings. And you might be thinking, well, what is it like in people? What's the situation in people? How good are we at complying to treatment recommendations from our doctors? And the answer to that is that actually it, we're often not very good either, um, but the figures do vary. So um, very widely varying from 15% in some studies to 50% in others. And it tends to be the case that we're better at taking a pill if our doctor, for example, pres prescribes a, a tablet medication than we are at changing our lifestyle. So if our doctor says either, you know, you must give up alcohol, meat, whatever it is, um, something that re requires us to really change habits that might be um, embedded for a very long period of time, that's much harder for us to do. So let's move on to talk about the cats and importantly, what we can do to improve compliance because this is the point where we've been uh, perhaps uh, diagnosed a, uh, an issue in your cats and we know there is a treatment that can help it, but what can we do to succeed? Well, I think the first step is that it's really important to have those discussions that I already mentioned, where you can hopefully get that team approach, the concordance, 
uh, that tells you that, yes, this is the right plan for my cat and my situation. And I really think, uh, yes, we've come up with the, the ideal way to approach this. And uh, I, I'm in support of it and my vet's in support of it. We've just got to persuade our cats to be in support of it as well. So it is really important, I think, to understand why something has been prescribed how important it is for your cat because there are some treatments that are more proven than others and if you're massively struggling to get a treatment into your cat and your vet then says well actually the evidence to support use of this treatment in this situation is quite weak in other words we don't know if this is a good treatment or not then really you want to know that because you don't want to be having a horribly stressful time with your cat without there being a really good potential outcome at the end of it. And I think owner education in terms of the, the sorts of things that I've done over the years, like writing books on certain medical, medical conditions and providing other resources. We know from the surveys that we do with yourselves and, and other pet owners that these are typically really well appreciated as well. People want to understand, well, if I'm going to give medicine to my cat, why is it? And what is the purpose? What's it going to achieve? Importantly, as, as well, are there any side effects that I need to be aware of? All these things are, are critical to cover. And there are an awful lot of different formulations which are available for cats. And I probably haven't even listed them all uh, in, in this slide, but there are obviously an awful lot of things. But I'm going to focus for the most part. Um, uh, well, I'm definitely going to focus on oral medications because these often are the most challenging. So things given by mouth. Um, and I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about tablets and capsules because, again, they often are quite problematic. But you will know that there are a variety of different formulations and, and some of these uh, can be labelled as easy to give. Uh, a classic for that would be the spot on treatments for parasites in particular often have this sort of seal of approval on them, this easy to give seal of approval. But the cats don't always agree with that. So we'll talk a little bit about that, um, as well as uh, importantly, what tips I can give you to succeed with all of these different options. So let's talk about uh, tablets and capsules to start off with. Now, some of you may know that uh, we're running a survey at the moment to ask about um, carers' experience of giving medications to cats at home. And if you've already um, participated in this survey, I would like to really thank you for your time because it is quite a long survey. We ask lots of questions, but we are incredibly excited by um, the engagement we've had with the survey and that we've had hundreds and hundreds of people participate and we are very much looking forward to uh, analysing the results and sharing them with you, uh, hopefully this year, um, so that we can understand more about what is the typical care experience and how best can we as vets and also pharmaceutical companies help out. I'll um, provide a bit more information on the survey at the end for anyone who's not done it in terms of how you can find it on the website. We definitely love as many responses as possible. So please also share uh, with any friends and family that, that you know have cats. What we know at this stage um, is uh, much less than we will know when we've analysed our survey, um, but there is some data. Um, for example, on this uh, next slide, I've got some data from a market research study, which a a pharmaceutical company, a pet food, a, a pet pharmaceutical company rather, uh, conducted recently, and they had 600 uh, cat owners in this study. And what they reported was that 
nearly all of the cat owners involved in this study did have some experience of giving a tablet to their cats and that probably is I think true for, for all of you listening as well. Um, in terms of how that tablet was administered to the cat, you can see quite a range of techniques used um, and some of them may be uh, things that you've maybe not thought of before. So, for example, um, uh, we have got some cats here that are taking treatments from their owner's hands. And if you have had difficulties giving a pill to your cat, you might be quite sort of uh, sceptical about that possibility. But it does happen because the uh, pharmaceutical companies have put more and more efforts, particularly in recent years, into developing products which are genuinely more palatable, um, more acceptable size and shape for a cat to swallow. And some cats will surprise you. And I, I've got some videos which I hope will play OK on Zoom to show you some examples of that as well. So the the placing the tablet into the cat's mouth, which is probably what most people think of when they think of having to give a tablet to their cat. In this study, actually only about a fifth of owners were doing. Uh, often they were trying other things like hiding in food um, uh, or they were lucky enough that the cat took it from, uh, as you can see, an empty bowl or on the floor in a very small number of cases or from the hand. It is important to mention at this point, though, that it's always um, really important to check with your vet clinic if you do decide to um, give a, a treatment mixed with food or a treat, that it is going to be OK to do so, because there are some treatments that we know actually you have to give on an empty stomach. And that's really important. Otherwise, the drug won't be absorbed. And also to get a drug license, a sort of authorization for veterinary treatment, the um, pharmaceutical companies will tip, typically do a certain number of studies. They might not have studied uh, how well that product is absorbed with food. So again, uh, check with your vets if, if you're considering hiding the tablet in food or crushing it as well would be another thing, which is technically what we would call off-label, so not quite allowed. Often it is okay, as in it's, it's not a problem for the medication, but there are some medications for which it can pose problems. And another key point, which I'll mention a bit later as well, is that if you are hiding something in food, um, then of course the, the key thing is that you want the correct dose of medication to be uh, ingested by the correct animal in your household. And so if you have multiple animals, um, that can become an issue in that making sure that the right cat gets the, the right treatment, but also getting their full dose of treatment can be a challenge as well. So the first example I've got here, and uh, if these videos don't play very well, then most of them are in a compilation on the website. Um, but this is Leo, who hopefully you can see, um, just appears to be absolutely in love with his tablet. So he was receiving Fortacore for kidney disease. And you can see he can just hardly wait for his owner to open the box. He's right in her hand. He's gobbled it up within a second. This is now the video playing for the third time. So it does happen. You know, it might surprise you if you've had struggles with your cats, but more and more that these pa uh, tablets that are being developed are genuinely uh, more palatable than they used to be. And some cats will just do this, which is wonderful. Another example here, um, this is probably quite an unusual one, but this um, absolutely gorgeous ragdoll cat called Milo uh, would lie on the floor between his owner's legs and she would pop his antibiotic on the tip of his tongue and he would just uh, lie there and swallow it. So that made uh, medication 
really pretty easy. Again, you know, I, I do think this is a not the norm. So don't expect your cats to take a tablet quite this easily. But of course, if they do, that is absolutely brilliant. This is a video of this is actually um, both of my kittens in, in the shop, but Simba is, is the one eating a little treat on the floor. And uh, one of the flea treatments that's available is a tablet and it is actually designed to be given with food or in a treat. So it's absolutely fine to, to administer in that way. So we squidged this tablet into a little treat and you'll see Simba's e eating that treat quite happily. Um, and uh, unfortunately, in, in terms of um, speed of success, the tablet drops out of the treat. You can probably see that tablet on the floor by him. So he's eating the treat now. And uh, I carried on filming thinking, I just hope, you know, perhaps he will eat this uh, tablet because there are some cats that will actually eat the tablet um, on its own from a hand or, or a, an empty food bowl. Um, and lo and behold, actually, he, he does. He eats, he eats all the treat first and, and then he has a look at the pill and he thinks, yeah, OK, this is all right. And so um, that's all gone and uh, job done. So um, it's, uh, it is more and more possible that you'll have that situation where the cat will, um, will eat that tablet without too much difficulty. And the tablet that was in that video um, is one called Crudelio, and I've stolen one of their marketing slides. Um, and this is, I'm not in any way uh, paid by the company that makes this treatment to show this, but just as an example of how seriously the uh, pet pharmaceutical companies are taking compliance in cats, um, they've spent, uh, this is um, true of many companies as well, not just this company, but you can see they've worked very hard firstly on the size of tablets. Um, any of you that have had cats for a long time will have probably remember worm tablets in particular, Drontal Cat and Dronsit for Cats as these gigantic tablets which were quite unwieldy to get down the cats. Now we have these lovely small tablets um, and the data uh, summarised on this slide as well from a a three-month uh, field trial with 211 cats and basically the cats got their treatment 100% of the time so they they never refused it some of them having it uh, from an empty bowl or on the floor um, some taking it from the hand and uh, about 30% of them being dosed in a sort of standard way um, so if uh, if your cats doesn't like spot-ons uh, for flea treatments then that, that might be useful information for you to know about Hiding in a treat, um, again, check with your, your vets that the medication you're using is okay to be hidden in a treat. Um, this is a cat called Josie and her owner sent this video. This is part of a competition we did a few years ago, actually. And it's just a wonderful video, very professionally done, of that um, antithyroid medication being encased in two delicious treats and put on the plates. And then Josie comes along and just happily eats that up. Um, and then you know with certainty, or Josie's owner knows with certainty, that she's had her treatment, she's had full dose of treatment, and then she can have, you know, food as normal. So, of course, some cats we do need to dose with medication, and this uh, is probably something that you will have had to have done at some point or other. And again, it has, I think, got a little bit easier in recent years because the pills now that are being designed for cats are being designed 
much more thoughtfully. So they tend to be much smaller, have smoother edges, often a more oval shape, which is easier for the cat to swallow. Um, and actually a lot of cats are quite straightforward to medicate. So um, this next video, which is one on the website as well, is um, a former cat of mine. And you can see he's uh, having his pill and you'll see me first of all, tipping that head back. It's much easier to open the mouth when it's um, the, the head is pushed backwards and you can try this on yourself if you look up at the ceiling it's really hard to sort of grit your teeth same true of cats and I'm just holding his his sides of his jaws um, my uh, hand is in a sort of arch on the top of his head and then holding uh, the side of his jaw and then pushing that head back before I I drop that tablet in so that's on the video tutorial page um, as, as a narrated video. There's a little bit more video than I've shown here. This is just the, the key bit shown there. So tipping the head back definitely helps if you've had that situation where you've had a pill in your hand and your cat is there and you just can't open their mouth. Try just to gently push their, their head up so that they're looking up at the ceiling and it will tend to be easier to open their mouth. Um, if they are an older cat, just beware, they might have arthritis affecting their neck and they might find that a little bit uncomfortable. So take it gently. And of course, if you find that it perhaps is not very well tolerated by your cat, talk to your vet. Sometimes the problem is that the paw comes up. So a paw comes up to say, no, thank you, I don't want that tablet. Um, and tactics that can help there would include, um, firstly, a lot of people find it useful uh, kneeling and then backing the cat between their legs. And there's a, a photo uh, and a video except showing that a little bit later. But you can also get a, a large towel and wrap the cat in a towel um, just to wrap up the legs and, and stop them from interfering. Um, if there are two of you, then you can also have one person potentially holding the cat and one person potentially doing the pill. Pill shooters, um, things like this device here, um, can be quite helpful for some cats. Um, and the advantage they have is that if you're worried your cat might bite you, this plastic is going into the cat's mouth, not your finger. Um, but you do, of course, just use them quite gently. Some of them have nice softer tips to them to the end. And uh, I think there's a video coming up next that shows uh, actually how to use that as well. So let's look. Yes, this is Clarence. And again, if this video doesn't show too well, um, you can see it in the compilation video um, that I'll reference at the end of this presentation. So he has um, uh, something in a treat initially, and then he's uh, swooshed onto his back. And here's the pill popper. I think this is a joint supplement. It's quite a big uh, capsule for him, but that all goes down fine. And then I think he has some liquid. That might be uh, a painkiller that he's on as well. Um, and that's all done and then that's all over he gets back uh, let free again and uh, then gets some some cat food uh, and it's all done within less than 30 seconds If you are giving a pill or a capsule to your cat, um, then uh, bear in mind that as with ourselves, once they've swallowed it, it can actually sit in the esophagus, which is the, the food pipe, for quite a long time. Um, and a, a number of studies have shown that uh, typically at least um, 
uh, half caps uh, dosed in that way will still have the tablet or the capsule sitting in their throat after 10 minutes so it really can just sort of sit in there and that's a problem not only because it needs to go down to the stomach to be broken down and absorbed and and have its impact on the body so in other words do the good that it's uh, designed to do but also depending on the treatments some some tablets can be quite acidic and quite irritant so when they sit in this uh, esophagus they can actually cause inflammation and that can sometimes make the cat sick uh, very worst case scenario it can cause uh, a stricture which is a narrowing of the esophagus which can be very serious and there are certain medications that are renowned for this so some antibiotics like uh, doxycycline, uh, Renaxin is one of the, the, the sort of uh, popular trade names of that, uh, would be um, sadly quite high risk for that. So it's really important once you've given a tablet or a pill to allow the cat to eat or drink. And if you're uh, worried that they might not do so, perhaps they have a very poor appetite to perhaps syringe a little bit of water down the throat, or even just putting a little blob of butter on your cat's nose. And I have a photo of this coming up, uh, has been scientifically proven to take capsules and tablets down to the stomach so um, that might be something that's that's easy to do as well of course, when given uh, medication, make sure that you know how often it's designed to be given and it should be very clear on the label, but if it's not, then definitely check. Uh, if something is designed for twice daily administration, then generally that, that means it's ideal if it's given every 12 hours. If it's once a day, generally that means ideally every 24 hours. <clears throat> so if possible, try and, and stick to regular intervals or follow the specific instructions uh, from your vet. Uh, if, if they are any different, which they might be for some medications. The tips that I can share with you, um, if your cat is receiving multiple medications, in other words, more than one pill, that can be very challenging. And uh, one useful solution can be to get some empty gelatin capsules, such as those shown in the photograph here. And these empty capsules, you can then open up and you can put your cat's medicine inside and then reseal the capsule. And then you've got one capsule that might have two different medicines or perhaps three even in some situations rather than the cat having to be dosed three times. Again, check with your vet that the medication you want to combine like this is suitable to be combined like that, um, but uh, it can make a big difference in terms of uh, treatment success. You also will probably be aware that there are more and more uh, palatable treats and also some treats that are specifically designed for giving um, pills with. So I haven't got a photo on this slide of some of the pill treats, um, but uh, the Royal Canin makes a, I think it's called Pill Assist, a treat that has a, a hollow uh, in it that you uh, designed to put in your, your tablet or your capsule. Um, there are other um, ones available on the vet side, so your vet clinic will know about. But in every supermarket now, as you know, you'll be able to get hold of things like Licky Licks, which are these little sachets of, you know, maybe a teaspoon of um, deliciousness for your cat uh, that can be very effective at hiding things. Um, dreamies um, are quite crunchy, good treats to give after the treatment. They're not so good for hiding the things in, but there are some squidgy treats. Cat soups as well. Uh, lots of companies now making these and, and uh, these can be helpful either as a, as a vehicle for hiding your tablet in or your powder in or your liquid in if that's allowed 
or alternatively as a post pill treat for the cat. If your cat does find medication quite stressful, um, then uh, this bottom tip might be relevant for you to know about, which is that some cats, if, if you if giving a pill is stressful for them and that happens around about a meal time, it can put them off their food. So if you can in those situations separate the two, that can be helpful. Or if there's more than one person in the house and you can perhaps have one person who's happy to be the baddie, the pill giver, and the other person is the goodie and gives the you know nice things like food and, and uh, grooming and all the sort of positive things, then that can help to um, minimize the risk of, of having, uh, for example, food aversions develop, which is where the cat associates feeding with negative things and therefore thinks, oh, I don't want to eat anymore, which of course is always gonna be bad news. So these are some pictures here just to remind about the following that dry tablet or capsule with either a little bit of water um, and if you're giving a little bit of water allow the cat to have its head and neck in, in its normal position so you don't want the head back there because it's difficult for the cat to swallow when its uh, uh, head is pointing up at the ceiling uh, it's easier for you to open the mouth but harder for the cat to swallow so have the cat its head in a normal position and just sort of winkle that little syringe tip in to their mouth and dribble in a little bit of water um, or uh, you can do this blob of butter on the nose uh, which uh, a lovely study about 20 years ago actually they did really proper scientifically study the impact of a blob of butter on the nose and it was a hundred percent effective at taking a tablet or a capsule stuck in the food pipe through to the stomach which is exactly what you want. So what about if you're having problems? Um, you know, perhaps you, you've um, listened to what I've said so far and thought, well, yeah, I've tried all that and it, that's not the way it goes for me. What are my suggestions? Well, number one is, is to talk to your vets and make sure that they know that you're having problems um, because this is where alternative solutions, um, the sorts of things that I'll talk about on the next few slides will come into play. Um, but uh, they will want to know if there are problems and they will definitely want to be able to help. So don't be afraid to pick up the phone and ask for some support. And the sort of support that might help would include perhaps advice, tuition, demonstration, uh, or even a visit from a nurse uh, who can medicate your cat. And there are now some uh, district vet nurses who will visit people's homes and your clinic might have links to one of those that can help you and they can come to your house and administer the treatment. Or it may just be a little bit of a tutorial, a little bit of assistance, uh, showing you how to wrap your cat in a towel, for example example, directing you to clinic resources like useful videos, all these sorts of things that, that might be all that you need uh, to get you on the right pathway. If your cat is receiving multiple medications, then the discussions with your vets are particularly important, I think, to really determine, well, okay, if treatment is really difficult, we need to work out which are the most important treatments, you know, how do we prioritize things? And this comes back to the sort of comment I made earlier on, where if there's a treatment, well, it might help maybe 30% of cats with this condition, the evidence to support its use is a little bit weak. If it's a real nightmare to give that treatment to your 
your cat, then perhaps that's one that I would say, well, let's maybe drop that treatment. Whereas if we know, for example, your cat has high blood pressure and we know that the uh, uh, medication prescribed is really effective at treating high blood pressure, well, that's a priority because we know high blood pressure in cats can be just as damaging and serious a problem as it can be to people. It can be fatal. So that's the sort of discussion I, I would really encourage you to have with your vet at that point. And there are certainly many situations where there are some choices. For example, uh, using the uh, example of hypothyroidism, a common old cat illness, um, there are uh, firstly choices in dosing frequency, which we have with the different products. So uh, you may be familiar with um, the two sort of market leader tablet treatments for hypothyroidism are filimazole, this one on, on the left, which comes in three different tablet sizes, and Vidalta on the right hand side, which comes in two different sizes. But these treatments are slightly different. Um, uh, the filimazole has a shorter duration of action, so it needs generally to be given every 12 hours. Some cats are okay on once a day dosage, but generally 12 hourly dosage is recommended. Whereas Vidalta has this slow release form um, of um, slightly different form of, of the, the medication and it's licensed for use either once a day or every other day. So if medicating your cat is very difficult but you can do it, you just would rather not have to do it uh, as frequently, then it may be discussing changing to a different medication is appropriate. Um, and both of these are, are veterinary licensed treatments for hypothyroidism in cats. Sticking with the, the hypothyroidism theme, we also do have even choice beyond the frequency in terms of also the formulation. And um, quite recently, but within the last few years, we've now got two licensed liquid um, preparations of antithyroid medication. We have uh, Thyronorm was the first of these to be licensed and we now have a, a sort of double strength one called Thiamacare and these are both liquids and some people find dosing their cat with a liquid very much easier than dosing with a tablet. So um, again just sticking with hypothyroidism it may be the frequency of medication that you can tackle but also the formulation of medication you can you can tackle. And lastly, with hypothyroidism, um, not veterinary licensed, but there is another option for giving the same medication to cats, which is called the transdermal route. Transdermal medications are ones that are applied to the skin. Typically, they're a cream or an ointment, and they're actually uh, the drug is absorbed through the skin and into the body. So it's absorbed into the bloodstream and works in the same way as it would do when given by a pill. And although these products are not veterinary licensed products in the UK, certainly they are available. So if we've worked through the sort of vet licensed options and we've tried tablets and we've tried liquids and it's just really, really difficult for, for the carer to be able to achieve, then one option we do have is to consider using these transdermal products. And they're made by what are called uh, specials labs, which are slightly, uh, well, very much different to a pharmaceutical company. They have, they don't have to jump through quite as many regulatory hoops, um, but they are able to provide these products for us. And we apply them to the inner surface of the ear, which is because it has relatively um, 
little fur on it it's relatively hairless and uh, they can work they tend to be much less effective than giving a tablet you tend to need a much higher dose however for those cats that are really challenging they can be really a lifesaver and there are various companies in the UK that provide these transdermal formulations. If you're lucky enough um, to live in New Zealand, which is a lovely place uh, I'm, I've been told to live in many, many ways, but another lovely reason to be there might be if you have a hypothyroid cat, because they actually have a vet licensed transdermal product there called Hyper T Ear Spot. Um, and that's a, a picture of a cat having the treatment. It comes in this sort of pen and the medication can be applied uh, directly to the inner surface of the ear. And there's some really good data to uh, back up that product as well. And then sticking even still with the theme of hypothyroidism, if you've gone through all of those options and it's still really a, a, a terrible battle and you're having problems with your cats, then again, still talk to your vets because there are other treatment options for hypothyroidism. There is an iodine restricted food, Hills YD, which can be effective in some cats. We can surgically remove the thyroid in some cats as well. And there is also radioactive iodine, radioiodine, which can be very effective. So um, don't think that you've run out of options because almost certainly there will be other options that you can consider. Also, sometimes you can have challenges because um, your cats, uh, you know, for example, if it's got a very sore mouth and you're trying to give a treatment by mouth, you know, you can imagine that can be really really difficult for the poor cat to understand why why are you hurting my mouth uh, even if the treatment you're giving is a painkiller designed to help uh, their mouth um, and the same can be true as well with arthritic cats you can have jaw arthritis as well where giving a tablet can be really sore so do talk to your vet about uh, issues you're facing because again hopefully they can find an alternative formulation or an alternative route another way of treating your cat for example this cat's got very uh, terribly sore gums, really bad gingivitis, um, and for a period uh, actually was receiving injections of anti-inflammatory because uh, the cat would not eat, we could not dose with any medication and we just needed to find a way of reducing that inflammation. Um, also, uh, issues that um, uh, might affect your ability to give medication need to be considered as well. It's, you know, if you have arthritis or any other disabilities, it can really make it difficult to give certain medications. So make sure you do talk to your vets um, and they know what uh, you know, is, is reasonable and practical for you to be able to do as well. I mentioned that uh, transdermal medications were an option for hypothyroidism, um, but that also that wasn't veterinary licensed. We're using these uh, so-called specials labs, these reformulating labs to produce that product. But actually very, very excitingly, just within the last couple of months in the UK, we do have now the first veterinary licensed transdermal treatment for cats, which is something called Miritaz. And Miritaz is an appetite stimulant. It can the active ingredient is metazapine and some of you may have used uh, metazapine in your cats um, it, it's not veterinary authorized in the tablet form so we typically have used reformulated tablets or human tablets which we've cut down in size um, and it can be incredibly helpful for cats with poor appetite for all sorts of reasons but really excitingly we now have it in a transdermal form so uh, it's been really thoroughly tested and, and its safety and, and efficacy really shown in you know proper pharmaceutical studies um, and that's available so if you do have a cat with poor appetite 
there definitely is some good news about that. Other comments really to make would include um, that also there, there's no um, single approach, I think, which suits every cat. You know, there are, um, also there's no such thing as the perfect tablet or the perfect liquid. You will always find cats have different preferences and also carers also can have different preferences as well. So a few years ago, we did a survey asking about uh, owner preferences for treatment of parasites. And, and you may have participated in this survey, in which case, thank you for that but what we found was that whilst um, more than half of people preferred a spot-on uh, these treatments where you part the, the the hair and you apply a spot-on liquid to typically the, the skin at the back of the neck about a third of carers as you can see actually would prefer a tablet uh, some people do just find a tablet is easier to use in their cat so it's good having a choice and it's good to make if you do have a, an awareness of your cat's preference or your own preference, just make sure that your vets know as well. The, the survey, the market research survey I mentioned a little bit earlier on with the 600 cat owners, um, they, they also were asking, um, this was a, a Credelio um, uh, elicited market research. So um, bear in mind, obviously, they, they produce a tablet. They were wanting to find out what the appetite for a tablet might be amongst cat owners. And what they found was very similar to us. Again, 30% of carers expressed a, a preference for tablets, but an additional 60% said they'd be happy to try it. Um, so that's uh, obviously information they're using to help persuade more people to, to try their tablet option. You may have seen um, this uh, easy to give stamp on some of the treatments that your cat receives. And this is um, a sort of accreditation by um, the charity International Cat Care and their veterinary division, uh, ISFM, the International Society of Feline Medicine. And they give a little seal of approval um, if there is data to support a product being um, easy to give in one way or another. So it might be that it's a palatable tablet or it might be that it's a spot on. Uh, spot ons, I think, automatically get an easy to give award, but it is probably, I think, important to uh, to mention that not all cats really like spot ons. And, and again, you might have experienced this with your own cats. Um, it may be technically easy to give in that, you know, you just squeeze a pipette, um, but some cats uh, will run away from the treatment, really dislike it or dislike the smell or dislike being restrained. Um, so again, just that, that reminder that the, the seal of approval doesn't mean that every single cat is going to agree with it. Liquid medications are becoming more popular. Um, and I think a lot of carers, when asked, tend to express a preference for a liquid to a tablet. Um, but again, I think not always um, easy to administer. It does depend on the liquid and also on the cat um, and the liquid volume as well. So if we have to administer a small volume and it's something that tastes quite nice, that's probably going to be easier than a larger volume of something bitter. But we do hope that the survey we're doing at the moment is going to shed even more light on, on what you think of, of the liquid versus tablet debate. <clears throat> and just a reminder, again, that it can be tempting with liquids, I think, to dose the food rather than the cat. And indeed, that's probably not helped by the veterinary profession in that one of the most frequently prescribed liquid medications for cats is Metacam or it's uh, the other medication with the same active ingredient, which is Meloxicam. This is a liquid painkiller for cats, which has been licensed for, I think, 20 years, possibly even a bit longer now, and uh, is absolutely 
brilliant as a medication, but it's often recommended that it's it's given on food um, because we want to make sure that cats receiving it are eating. And therefore, if they don't eat their food, they don't get their medicine. But uh, it, it, it's probably good not to extrapolate that general approach to liquid medications in general. For example, the antithyroid medications were just really important that the cat gets its full dose of treatment and dosing the food does risk uh, that some of that dose being en ending up in either another cat or perhaps in the bin. But certainly there is some information that, that owners might prefer liquids. It'd be interesting if you have a preference to, to share it at the end as well. And then lastly, just really um, some other sort of comments on, you know, do we hide things in food or not? Um, I think really the main thing is to just be aware of some of the potential drawbacks of that, which I've already mentioned. Of course, it's much easier to dose a bowl of food than it is to dose a cat. But we do want to make sure that firstly, that medication is okay in food it's not going to be inactivated in any way um, and also that the correct cat gets the full dose so for cats for many cats in fact actually giving a pill does give you that reassurance that they've had their dose and you know then you can move on you can not worry about uh, them necessarily having to eat all that food one of our previous surveys was uh, looking at cats with kidney disease and one of the common recommendations with uh, cats with kidney disease is to provide some way of phosphate restricting uh, their dietary intake of uh, phosphate and we can do that through feeding a therapeutic diet but we can also use these substances called phosphate binders which uh, many of which are powders uh, things like epacotine and uh, renate are both powders that you mix with the food uh, pronephra is a liquid liquid but phosphate binders are designed to be given with the food so actually that is the recommendation and one of the questions we asked in this survey was um, please share your tips for how do you give uh, phosphate binders to your cats and uh, so I thought useful to, to share these um, phosphate binders um, it's fine to introduce them gradually so that starting with a low dose and then increase might not be suitable for all powder medications that we might choose to use but I think is perfectly fine for our phosphate binders um, but I did uh, uh, particularly like I have to say this bottom tip add to the food when the cat is not looking um, it sounds slightly crazy but it is so true as we all know that it's like the day of the vet visit the cats they just pick up on those subtle clues the changes in our behavior that indicate perhaps the cat flap has been shut or the cat carrier has now come into the the living room um, so I don't think it is so so crazy a thing to mention and as I mentioned, lots of the videos I've shown are actually on the website, on the video tutorials page. And uh, Decra actually made a lovely montage of lots of videos that we had submitted to us as part of a, a competition to find some good videos of cats getting pills. And you'll recognize if you watch this video in its entirety, uh, several of the examples I've shown uh, in this session, but there's also many more. And one of the key things, which I think is lovely, is that actually um, all of these cats pretty much it's just one person doing all the hard work and you can see how easy they make it look and this is a nice example of the cat between the legs and uh, checking that the cat has swallowed the pill and uh, I think it might need a little yes a little nudge there so I hope that's that's been helpful I'm definitely happy to tackle some more um, questions in in the discussion in just a moment I think the key messages really are that there are more and more choices of formulation and route 
of treatments that we can use. So the injectable versus the oral, for example, um, and your vets really just make sure you keep them fully informed. You tell them what, what might be possible from your perspective um, and ask for their support whenever you need it. There is uh, some resources on the website, uh, as always, to complement the session. The main thing being the, the video tutorials that I've mentioned. So under the helpful info uh, menu on, on the home page, you can see video tutorials and there's all the previous cat cafe sessions. But also in the section for cat owners, there are some videos on giving pills and that lovely uh, DECRA compilation that I showed you as well. The survey page is also on the on that uh, main menu um, and the, it's the medicating cats at home, which is uh, I referred to. Thank you again if you have participated in that. If you've not already done so, we would really love to hear from you and please share with any family and friends that have cats. And we also have a survey on um, a condition called acromegaly, which is a, a brain tumour overproducing growth hormone, which is something we see quite rarely in cats, often in diabetic cats. But if you have had a cat with acromegaly um, then one of my colleagues in Italy is really keen to hear from you and so there is a survey there there's also a survey for vets that have diagnosed acromegaly as well um, and that information is available on uh, the survey page of the website and then very finally, just to say that next time um, I'm going to be, it's a slightly cryptic title, but uh, sharing some tips that I think um, carers should know, but perhaps vets don't always have time to tell you about, or perhaps don't have the opportunity to tell you about. So the things your vet wished you knew. Thanks again for listening to this session. For more information, please visit vetprofessionals.com. You can find YouTube recordings of all Cat Cafe sessions on the video tutorials page. To find the video tutorials page, click on the helpful info menu on the home page. Don't forget that you can attend future Cat Cafe sessions live and have the opportunity to ask questions and show me you and your cat on video if you like. You can read more about how to access these sessions on the video tutorials page of the website. Lastly, if you found this podcast helpful, don't forget to subscribe and add a review. Thank you.